podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's Andy Campbell! It's in! Campbell comes off the bench to be a hero! A superhero! Breakthrough! It's taken a while, but it's been worth the wait for Cardiff City! Hey guys, I'm Sai and welcome to Ace Podcast Nation and welcome to episode number 48 of the Andy Campbell Football Show. And uh, we're going to be talking all sorts of football, including some some of the latest news, some of the things that have happened in the past week, unfortunately. And of course, we'll be talking about our guest's career. But uh, just before we do that, a couple of plugs. As usual, you can find all the shows that we do in video format at youtube.com slash Nation. Please subscribe, and uh, the audio versions are at all the usual places, podcasting platforms, radio uh, apps, and I like. This week we've got some incredible shows coming up. Tomorrow we have, uh, which is Tuesday, we have the, the new uh, series, The State of Play, which is our cricket podcast with uh, West Indian cricketer Kieran Powell, as well as uh, former <coughs> Glamorgan cricketer Nyron Norman. Uh, that's going to be a, a semi-regular show as we uh, go through the the cricket season as a start. We, for tomorrow's show, we previewed the upcoming England and West Indies uh, series. Then Wednesday, we've got the Danny Batten fight show with uh, top cage warriors prospect Jordan Vucinic as the uh, guest as we talk Saturday's UFC. Friday, we have the Andy Campbell Championship show live, 7pm, where myself and uh, Andy Campbell discuss the championship games of the past week as well as preview the weekend's fixtures and then finally to finish the week Sunday we have uh, comedian actor Leroy Brito in for a chat and uh, that was a very fun show with my fellow Cardiffian as usual I would like to thank uh, Martin Spate and Black Diamond Sports for supporting the show Black Diamond Sports is a global sports agency representing sports stars around the world. Uh, for more information, visit their social media pages, the links of which are in the description below, as well as uh, at the end of the show. And that gives us, uh, gets us to the good stuff. Joining me first, of course, is my usual co-host, the gold collector, the speed demon, David Jones's favourite son. He is Middlesbrough's. <laughs> Middlesbrough's <laughs> favourite child, Mr. Andy Campbell. How are you, sir? I'm excellent, mate. Yeah, yeah, I'm good. Looking forward to this. David Friend Jones and ex-teammates. Yeah, I seen a little smile on uh, on uh, Cav's face there. He knows. He knows the story. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and of course, our guest this evening is a former Republic of Ireland international, former Sunderland, Stoke City, Wigan. And uh, many other clubs, but of course, the most important Cardiff City legend, Mr. Graham Cavanagh. How are you, mate? Graham, yeah, good, pal. Yeah, good. Of uh, course. Just yeah, I'll go. I'll go. No course, problem. Uh, nothing to uh, complain about here. That's it. I think every time he has a drink, though, Sai, he's uh, going to annoy you. Just, just saying. Oh, is it? Is it? It's like that, is it? <laughs> uh, where's my blurring tool? <laughs> Quick. Oh, the stream's getting laggy. 
<laughs> nah, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. I mentioned it on Friday as well. I congratulated the Liverpool team. I don't avoid it. I've been preparing myself for it since Christmas. It's yeah. taken that taken that long to uh, to get over it. Um, exactly. So what I like to do, uh, well, what we like to do, Kev, each week, is uh, we like to so for people can get a feel for you and your tastes. We have a little thing which we call the the Magnificent Seven, which is basically just uh, seven questions, quick fire answers, and uh, you just give uh, the first thing that comes to mind. So, uh, Graham Kavanagh, the Magnificent Seven, uh, Messi or Ronaldo? Messi. Oasis or the Beatles? Beatles. Ian Rush or John Aldridge? Oh. Bottled it there. Bottled it. Bottled it. And uh, the greatest Irishman of all time, not necessarily football. Michael Collins. Best roommate. Um, Cordis And uh, worst trainer. Worst trainer was a few. Um, I don't know where I'll go on this one. I'll go with Gabs on this one. Um, and, and, that's, and, that's, and that's not because um, I'm just saying it because of Cardiff, but Gabs was, um, you pull your hair out with Gabs. He's one of the very, very few players. I tell this to all young kids very, very few players can train like a bag of crap to the week and perform to the levels he did on Saturday. And the amount of days he missed training, the amount of times he just went through the motions. Um, to get to that place, but once Saturday came, he was generally on it. And I think, in fairness, every time we speak or we, we see each other, he um, he, he sort of gets reminded or he reminds us of the amount of times we'd be in his ear, sort of say, Look, when you step up to the next level, how important it is to, to apply yourself every day because there's very, very, very few who can do it um, in the manner and fashion which Gabs did. And, and uh, finally, the best thing about being a manager and the worst. God, uh, best thing about being, being a manager. I suppose the best thing is is having control, and the worst thing is uh, the sleepless nights. There we go. Um, not bad at all. So, um, before we sort of go into your career and focus more on you, uh, what we like to do, Cav, is we just discuss some of the stories of the week, and uh, you know, just the general stuff. And it does feel like there's only one place to start. Uh, and, of course, that's Jonathan Woodgate being sacked. No, I'm only joking. Uh, we got, yeah, Liverpool are champions of England, of the UK, whatever you want to say. They're also champions. I think they're world champions as well, aren't they? And Europe. World of club champions, yeah. Yeah, I mean, in fairness, I've been a Liverpool fan um, all my life. So the last, obviously, 20 years have been sporadic, if you, if you, if you want to put it that way. Um, you know, moments of brilliance and... and Games where you know, unforgettable. Look at the 2005 uh, European Cup winners, uh, sorry, the Cup winner, and uh, we beat Milan. I think it was 2005, it was 2005. Um, obviously, a few FA Cup finals in between. But to be honest, the, since Klopp has come in, the job he's done, the team is assembled, the style of play, and the tempo of how they play, the quality in the, in the final tour with, with everybody. You know, there's just 10 outfield players to do, and even sometimes Allison. Alison sets the attack up. Um, so, yeah, amazing, amazing team. And, um, yeah, delighted, delighted for the club. Yeah, no, I, I, you've got to be fair. Um, I think there was a few clubs who uh, could have got Klopp before he went to Liverpool. And I think 
you know, obviously one of the biggest ones of those is Manchester United, where I think we're interested in a couple of years previous, and they decided against it. I think they went with David Moyes, which, you know, yeah. in hindsight, obviously hindsight's a terrible thing, isn't it? But, yeah. Cap, did you think it was going to, um, was that always going to happen though? You know, because like being a, being a football fan of a club for so long, you're seeing all the success at United, you're seeing all the money that Chelsea have had and other teams have had, new stadiums, etc. Were you always confident that Liverpool were going to turn it around? Um, I'd like to say yes, but I think the truthful answer is, is no. And the reason I say that is because in in the 80s, uh, was Liverpool were winning everything. Yeah. Man United already mainly had our, our stadium built. We weren't really looking at the stadium and, and improving Anfield. Yeah, I know. And then when, when 92 came along, the Premier League started, the infrastructure at Man United was really in place. Liverpool's wasn't. You know, they had to redo the cup, had to do the fire stand, the Cameron Road end. Then they done behind the, the goal, uh, the Anfield Road end. And then obviously, they, like, a couple of seasons ago, they done the main stand now. I think they're going to redevelop it again. But once they were doing that, every other club was getting an oligarch or was getting a huge financial backer to come in and be able to really fund that. And I think the first time that happened was probably Chelsea with Abramovich. And you start thinking to yourself, we're, we're getting further and further away. And I looked at Stephen Gerrard and that, how I felt really sorry for because the... He's probably the greatest player that's ever played for Liverpool, in my opinion. Yeah. I know that Gleeson will always be classed that, and God knows what what player or group of players from this team will be will be in that category. I'm sure there'll be a few, but um, Stevie G, you're looking and thinking unfairly, I suppose, that he, I think he played them times, didn't he? Yeah, played them in England, yeah. And I, yeah, that's one thing that I always look back on, uh, people's career like him, that he deserved the best, he deserved, like, he deserved to be recognised as the best, and... Um, I'm not being disrespectful here, but when you see someone um, who's played in a similar position, so Wijnaldum, for example, you know, yes, he's a very good footballer, but he's not in the same mould as a Stevie G. And you know what I mean? For Stevie not to win the Premier League is just, it's just, it's upsetting, isn't it? You know what I mean? Because you want the, the yeah. best players in the world to have the recognition. You know what I mean? Frank Lampard and Stevie and yeah. Paul Scholes always get um, compared, and Scholes has yeah. won it loads of times. Frank's won it. Yeah. Um, and Stevie's never got to win it, but so you know, what I mean, it's a shame because I'd, I'd like them to be recognised for for how good they were, you know. So you know, what I mean, for me, he's he's, he's world class, world class. It's funny, it's funny what you said there, Soy, because um, in some ways, the, the the detriment of Man United has been the decision that was made or helped to be made by Sir Alex Ferguson because he was desperate to bring Moyes in, and I think yeah. at that time, if if Liver if Man United had got Klopp, God knows where the success would have been. Oh. Um, Where he would have built, been, wouldn't he? Yeah. And, and the money he would have been given to, to be able to do that. Mm. But what I've loved about Klopp has been his recruitment. And he's, he's, he's every single player. I don't I can't even really think of one player. You might say Naby Keita, but this season I think he, he, he has improved. Um, but every single player he's come, in, come into the building, not really with great high expectations, I would have said. Manny, he, he didn't really know what he was going to get from him. Come, uh, Salah had been a flop, a so-called flop mm. at uh, Chelsea. Um, Wijnaldum, I looked at Wijnaldum when I was scouting at uh, West Brom. And I was thinking, he doesn't do it away right, Mal. Very good technical footballer. But Klopp's made him into a, a superstar. Mm. And then you look at, yeah. you look at Jordan Henderson. Mm. Jordan Henderson has been outstanding. Um, yeah. I, I played with my son and what a, lovely, what a lovely lad. Very, very humble. Doesn't drink. Um, you know, His mother is a, a fitness instructor and a, a dietitian and stuff. And he's just he's bought into the whole lot of it, and now for him to be reaping the rewards of the man of fashion he is, is it's, it's great to see, you know. It's a good story that though, the Jordan Henderson one, because I think there was a, a couple of years ago there was a 
um, that Liverpool weren't keen on keeping him, and he he, yeah. he dug in, and he stuck he stuck his ground and, and dug his heels in basically that he was going to stay. And you know, sometimes you you make the decisions to stick around, and you know what I mean. He's reaped the rewards really. He's won the Champions League, he lifted the trophy, he's going to lift the trophy again, yet yeah, in different circumstances, but he'll still be proud as ever to do so. And yeah. and he'll go down as a legend because you know he's yeah. he's a he's the first Liverpool captain in well forever. I can remember, you know, for, you know what I mean to do it. So you know what I mean. Fair, fair see that, see that, see that as well, Cam. So, like, <clears throat> we all know it's like coming through. Players that come through, you break onto the scene, and everybody wants to to build you up because everybody wants to see it as the next hope. And you know, is he the future of the club? Everything else. And I remember moving from Sunderland to Liverpool, and Sir Alec Ferguson came out and said that his running gate wasn't suited to a player that would maintain. Um, speed and endurance and um, he, he would be able to carry his body without getting injured for a long a long career and to hear that from the top 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 level the top manager you can only imagine what it does to, to, to a young player but in fairness to him he's dug in he's, he's, he's put two fingers up to the world and says right I'm going to prove he's all wrong I read an article the other day saying that he um, Liverpool were potentially going to sell him on to Fulham in 2012 yeah. and he says I'm, I'm not leaving I'm not, I'm not yeah leaving. I'm not going yeah yeah. yeah, it's the same with I read, yeah. It's, just, it's, it's a great story, though. You know what I mean? It's brilliant. It's brilliant. The other um, thing as well with Liverpool, mate, is um, also they haven't... If you look at the players they've signed and the players they've let go, they've let go, arguably, of some of their superstars, your Coutinho's, yeah. your uh, Suarez. And then if you look yeah. at the players they've brought in, they're not really like... Um, well, you would necessarily say superstars. There's some quality yeah. players, and I think Robertson's one of the best signings in the last yeah. probably five, mm. ten years in Premier League. But there's no like, um, you know, like there's good players like Fabinho, excellent, great player, but he's not at the same level as like a Suarez and people like this. And they haven't yeah. really brought in anyone at that level, so it does make you wonder whether. Uh, if Klopp had a bit of extra money to spend, would he have changed his philosophy? I'm, I'm interested by that. Uh, I, well, I, I don't know the answer to that, but I look at the Coutinho um, situation as an example, um, and nobody would have thought at the time, but obviously the two players, Alisson and Van Dijk, that he bring in, Liverpool bring in, for the money they sell Coutinho. But then Barcelona want to sell Coutinho, and but for whatever reason it hasn't worked at Barcelona, he's gone to Bayern Munich. Done quite well by all accounts. Yeah. Um, but Liverpool don't want to take him back, and you're looking at it's 50 million, 60 million quid. It's a lot of money, but it's not a lot of money to a, to a, a team that's just won the Premier League, mm. and they don't want to do it. And I, I don't know what, what it is there about um, Klopp and, and how he sees players and the dynamics of. of I mean, I read the thing the other day about his, uh, his coaching staff and the, the details that every player needs to have, uh, high intensity running, he needs to cover excellent grounds, so many years. Uh, Meter sprint this uh, distance, and um, how he actually has an eye for players is, is phenomenal. So, you do like you say. I mean, there's been lots of link with Mbappe, um, but I can't see Klopp bringing a superstar into the group to upset him. No, I agree. Just, just would you take him back, uh, Cav? If you were in charge, would you take Coutinho back for that money, fifty million? I would, yeah. And, and the reason I would is because I don't think we have that creative type from a midfield position that um, can literally open open the game up. We obviously have it from the wider areas, um, but I think Coutinho can play off the wider areas if the two players uh, weren't fit or if they want to be rested, because I think next season will be tougher, because you know that Man City are going to strengthen, you know Man United are going to strengthen. Chelsea will more likely strengthen, because they've had, they they've had two windows and not been able to do anything. 
And um, I never feel like I'm going to lose the players to the African nations. So you're going to need players. And no disrespect to Divock Origi, who has been magnificent for Liverpool, or Shakiri or um, Minamino, but they don't do the same job. And you, and you would find it very difficult anywhere across the world football to replace them, the likes of Mane, Salah. But, uh, but they are going to have to do that for eight or ten games in the, in the, in the, in the other side of uh, the January window. And they also have to bring players in as well, don't they? Because they I think they've released Lalana, a few other players as well. So you know, it's a big, it's a, yeah. it's a big job as well because they need they need to keep going, push on to another level. Um, oh, Sai, have you had a bang in the head, by the way? Because you are being quite complimentary tonight about Liverpool. I mean, I'm as I've said all season. <laughs> I just give a, my honest opinion. Sometimes <laughs> it'll be this, sometimes it'll be that. Do I like Liverpool? No, I can't stand them. <laughs> But I'd uh, look very silly if I stood here and said that the champ- current champions of Europe, world champions and Premier League champions, if I stood sat here and said how rubbish they are, is, well, I would look stupid. I'm not, I don't like it. I look stupid enough as it is. I don't want to make it worse. Um, uh, I, I want to hate Klopp, but he's very difficult. To yeah, he's likeable, like, isn't he? Likeable. Likeable. Yeah. likeable. likeable. Oh, yeah. Right, um, Cap, moving, moving on. Um, what um, Obviously, you, we've seen the, the manager's merry-go-round. Uh, you've been a manager yourself. Um, what's your thoughts about um, managers given time? And, um, and did, obviously, I'll use Woodgate as a, as a, as a prime, prime example. Was he given time and should the club have basically gone behind his back and appointed another manager? Um, well, there's a lot of questions within that one question. So, first of all, um, I'll just give you my experience. When I was at uh, Carlisle. Uh, we were we were six games in. I was assistant manager, and Greg, we we, we hadn't won a game. Uh, we lost actually all six, and we decided to make a change. And they get me the the job in the interim period for just to um, see how it goes, really. Yeah, yeah. So I was caretaker manager, and we, we won the first three games. Through the fourth, uh, I got given the job. At that particular point. I wasn't, I wasn't in a position of power because you're a first-time manager. And you need to remember that a lot of clubs are looking and saying, like, what's the cheapest option? Is it the best option? Um, and is it, and, and what's, the, what's the cheapest option? But when you go in as a first-time manager, first of all, you don't have experience. So that gets laid against you. But you only get experience from actually being in the position. And what I learned in that first year was more than I've learned over the whole of my career. And simple things like I was made to feel every day when I asked big questions, um, I remember having a conversation with Paul Jewell. He said to me, "It's a war. Don't, don't, don't see it as every battle you have to win. Pick your battles. Pick the ones that you want to, you feel are important enough to win, and, and really be strong with them. And, and hopefully, you win enough that gives you enough time to stay in the position in the job. Ultimately, the only, the only thing that gives you that is, is results. But to get results, you need to bring in your own players. And Looking at Woody's situation, Woody, from, from what I'm looking from the outside and what I'm hearing, he didn't necessarily get the chance to pick his own players. Um, and yet, and you, you know, you, you end up paying the cost. I think at the very start, you know, if you can have them discussions and the club can be honest with you, and you can, you can be honest with them and say, look, I understand where we're at, but you also need to understand that if I don't get what I want, the reason I'm getting the job is because somebody else has failed. And if I don't get what I want, the chances are, with the same group of players, we're going to have very similar results. But that doesn't always go hand in hand. Mm. Um, and as we see him, a club, club's come in, done a particularly good job. He's been given lots of money and lots of time, but he's been very, very clever about how he's done it. Um, and I never, I never sits right with me 
Well, let me let me let me let me let me throw something at you, Cav. Then, so when you took over at Carlisle, were you given a were you given a remit and an expectation of what was expected from you as a manager? No. So what happened was I, I um, we as I say, we won the first three games, do the fourth, and then I had an interview with the club, and the club wanted to know what my philosophy was. Um, I remember sitting having the interview. Actually, it was it was quite intimidating. I said, um, right, Cav. There's the floor. You've got twenty minutes to speak about the football club. Now, Cam, you know I can talk, right? But when somebody puts you under pressure, don't you just? Yeah. Was, was should have, did, you, did you not sing? <laughs> that was at the end when I got the job. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm only kidding. No, but um, oh yeah, I started off. I started talking about what what my philosophy was, um, what I was going to do, how I was going to how I was going to do it. Um, I needed help. I wanted to bring in my own staff. I wasn't allowed to do that. Understood that from the start. They said they would help me out over the course of time, but that didn't happen. Um, and there was quite a few bits that, once we were in the interview, they were happy for me to say, because essentially they were trying for me to cast myself out six, eight months down the line. Not necessarily in that way, but they also yeah, did yeah. that. Um, hopefully successful and we walked across them problems, but ultimately we did. Mm. Um, so it's never, it's never, like, you, you remember there's only 92 positions, so you, you feel, I need to get on the ladder. And then when yeah. you're on the ladder, the circumstances are never going to be what you want them to be. So mm. um, it's, it, it's, a, it's a real difficult one. But are you ready? You don't know. Um, are you going to be any good? You don't know. I think there's an awful lot of aspects of what I've done was very, very good. I think if I had had six games prior with the, with the points average I had um, over the 40 games, if I had had them over 46, we would have stayed in the league. But that's irrelevant because, that, that's, as I said, that's the reason you're getting the job. But I do feel like, you know, Woody is the example. He's had 12 weeks <laughs> off with COVID. To get one game back in, um, Lewis, and then be sacked. It's it's the harsh realities of football, mm. unfortunately. But we, we we don't get time anymore. And and the, and the second aspect of that is the next generation of players. They're not getting the chance because older managers or more experienced managers are probably thinking, "Is he ready? If he's not ready, and we lose, I'm under pressure. I don't need to put him in. So I let somebody else do that down the line. And if the kid, unless the kid is really really exceptional." It definitely becomes more and more difficult to get the opportunity at first So what I don't understand, well, I sorry, mate. Um, what I don't understand is, so every manager which has ever been successful yeah. is a manager who's been given time to build uh, and build a team, a squad, and the club around what his philosophy is, how he wants to play football, and bring in players who are going to fit that philosophy. Not many managers can come in and do that from the off with the players that are there, even at the top clubs. And I just don't understand why clubs are so quick to, you know, just to, to bin pe managers off. I understand it's a results business, but ultimately, if you're doing what, say, for instance, Man United have done in the last, what, since Fergie's left, they've basically just gone from manager to manager, changing the philosophy he gets rid of some players brings in his own then the next manager does the same i it, it baffles me completely the biggest the biggest thing at any club right the biggest thing at any club and forget about philosophy forget about style of play the game's all about players hmm. and the better the players you have the better the coach are the better the chance you're, you're going to have a success so it's cheaper to get rid of a manager than it is to get rid of 10 players so I think a club, I think most clubs should have an identity. They also should have a philosophy, a club philosophy. And that, that doesn't get wavered upon. And if they put a director of football in position and he then says, I'm going to liaise with the manager, I'm going to give the manager 
the players that I feel he's asking me who we can get. And we won't always you won't always get them players because based on geography, based on finances, based on league position, based on loads of different things, a player will decide where he's going to go. And ultimately, it's mm. going to be about money or success. They're the two, mm. the two things the players want. Um, so, for me, it would be easier if you, if, you, if you knew you were going to a club that had an identity, like a Swansea, who for, for 10 years now, whoever the manager is, they play a certain way. Like Brighton, you come in, they play a certain way. Um, they, un- they also understand that the budget isn't going to be massive, but it's going to be competitive. Mm. So you need to get the best value for, for money in the market. And if you do, you, you, you're, bu- you're going to buy yourself time, hopefully. And, and I, I know you should feel as a manager, you know, everyone say, I must feel, feel unbelievable when you win. It actually doesn't. You just feel relief. You literally just, for that week, it, it comes, you score the winner. You come off the pitch, you're buzzing, everyone's, everyone's celebrating with you. They, they feel the adrenaline in the dressing room. Everyone's high-fiving each other, hugging, singing, dancing, brilliant. Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, you enjoy it, and then you come out on the for the following week full of confidence. Mm. When you when you when you lose as a manager, you go home, you drive home in the car, you don't sleep, you're thinking about it all day Sunday. It's very personal to you. Um, you feel like you're completely isolated and you're on your own, and you know you're, you're trying to find ways to actually make that solution, bring that solution quicker around. Whereas when you're a player, you feel terrible for. 24 hours, 48 hours. As soon as you're back in China Monday, you can put it right with the training session. Mm. Yeah, I totally. Totally. It's, it's hard. I totally agree. But then on top of it, though, I'm going back to Woody, and I, you know, what I mean, I'm a good friend of his, so you know, I'm not, I'm not being disrespectful to him. Um, I believe he was badly advised at times that he's um, he's coming out with this so-called style of player that he wants to play. But if you haven't got the players to implement that style of player, you've got no chance. You know, this high press attacking with loads of pace, creating chances. You haven't got the personnel to do it. So for me, yeah. you know what I mean? Your identity's got to be realistic to what you've got behind you. You know what I mean? You can only play with what you've got. We didn't have a, a massive recruitment of players um, to push on with. So for me, I, I just think it was just badly advised. You know what I mean? Started off great with the first game of the season against Luton. But then, you know what I mean? The, the rank was on the wall. I, I, like you said, after COVID, and, uh, the, fir- the first game back was just brutal. I think, so. I think, I think, I think the team with that though comes as well is, um, I remember when, when I got the job at Carlisle, Greg, our previous manager, had fallen out massively with the media. Um, and there was a real sort of disconnect between the club, the manager, and the media. And whenever he did an interview, you could sense there was a bit of animosity on both sides. So I said, right, I'm going to completely do it different. I'm going I'm to be honest. And I'm going to try and give information to the, to, the cl- uh, to the media and let them be part of the journey, so to speak. Give them access where they hadn't, didn't have access before. And what ends up happening is, and, and, and I've seen Woody do this as well, is that you reveal yourself because you're trying to be honest and you're trying to be truthful. And then people use it against you in the media. And I got to the stage with me in the media with, with Kyle Oil where what I was telling them at the start, I, I very quickly realised that information was getting leaked and it was it was to my detriment. And then the media started coming after you in a different way. And you're trying to build a club, you're trying to build excitement and you're trying to build um, an energy that the players could buy into. But like you say, if you don't have the, the personnel, you're not going to be able to do it. I always remember Lenny, yeah. Lenny Garland said to me, when you get the opportunity to be a manager, make sure you, you employ somebody behind you who's 15, 20 years older than you, who just has that calm and head just to be able to give it. Take a breather. Don't say what you, what you think. Have a couple of moments to think about what you want to say and how you want to deliver it. Because that, that as well can be 
can be to your detriment and, and people use it as I say use it as a negative and, and uh, <coughs> they can then quickly get you a job and we all know <coughs> social media is like social media once it starts once the, the, the snowball starts rolling it's very very quick it's very very difficult to turn around yeah, you, uh, you spoke about uh, you spoke about Lenny, Lenny there um, so I think I think it's quite fitting really we've got um, a bucket load of Cardiff followers, which is which is absolutely fantastic for for, for what from where we started. But um, uh, a big time in your life, um, obviously oh, kids was. living there, and you know, I mean, not just football wise. I mean, I mean, family. Um, you yeah. know, I mean, you were you were really settled, really happy. So tell everybody um, just how how the move came about, just to start off with, really. Uh, well, I'd moved to Stoke, obviously. So um, it was going it gone quite well at Stoke, and we missed out on the playoffs three years thing was running and I was starting to get the stage with Stoke where what had been promised and what the club were telling me was they weren't delivering the only really thing that they delivered on was the uh, was the stadium and um, when, when we got to the stadium there was no money for finances to be able to bring in better players albeit we brought in Mike Sheridan left for two and a half million and um, Peter Thorne came in for 500 grand from Swindon took Tony a bit of time to settle but once he did me and him built a very good friendship and relationship and understand on the pitch um, anyway when the season came and went I, I was entering last year in the contract and I was expecting they were going to offer me uh, a good contract but I was getting the feeling that the club behind the scenes were trying to sell me they were making noises that it was me who wanted to live I was getting asked quite quite a lot in the press as to what you're going to do and I'm thinking it's a bit odd because I've got a year left in my contract and I'm hoping the club will offer me one but they didn't at that point I just got a phone call uh, literally straight after the game uh, we played Walsall in the um, in the playoffs. I'd scored an absolute worldly, but we ended up getting beaten. And um, funny story about that actually as well as coming off the pitch, I scored a goal. Don't ask me why, but I've done this to the fans. Well, the game we got beaten, and uh, next of all they invaded the pitch. I started running and I started sprinting, mm-hmm. and I'm thinking I need to make it to this tunnel, get to the <laughs> tunnel, and I dive right, dive into the tunnel. Coppers are pulling me in. The Walsall fans are pulling me out. Trying to knock seven bells in. Obviously. I managed to get into, the, get into the dressing room. But I was, uh, I was lucky. But yeah, I got on the bus anyway. And I was, uh, the text message, um, can, you, can you ring this number, please? It's, um, it's Sam and Man. I sat on the bus and I'm thinking, how courteously, how courteously I'd never not, you know, speak to anybody. And I get my colleagues, look, would you be interested in coming to, to, to speak to us? And Cardiff had never really been on the agenda. And no disrespect to Cardiff, and I said this at the time when I went to sign for the club. Um, at the time, Cardiff was a club that was just had just been promoted from the old fourth division, um, and it wasn't. I wanted to go and play in the Championship, so Premier League. So it was a bit like, I know I'm capable of doing it, and um, that's where I want to go. We did speak to Sam um, the next couple of days. I spoke to him, um, him and Corky. They said, "Look, we're going to build a team around you. You're going to be the focal point of the team. You're going to be the captain." Um, this is what we expect from you. This is what we want you to deliver as a player. This is what we want you to deliver as a leader. Um, and every part of it was it was just set up for me to go, right, brilliant. This is where I want to be. Um, I'm going to commit totally to it. I'm going to obviously move my family down. Um, and I'm, going to, I'm just going to throw myself into it and see where, where it takes us. And I remember from the very first day going down thinking, you know, everything Sam had said, he was, uh, he was delivering on and I mean, don't get me wrong, I think an awful lot of it was smoking, smoking daggers at the time. It was um, a club and daggers, rather. Um, and it was, it was, it, he was, he was, you, you were invested in a dream that he was hoping would be possible, but I don't know if he was going to be able to deliver on it financially. 
Hmm. But um, it was a hell of a ride, and yeah, probably the best decision I made in my career. Yeah, well, I, I found that side. Uh, sorry, sorry, I found that cab about uh, about what you just said there about the, about the dream. You know what I mean? When uh, when I first spoke to to Corky, you know what I mean? I spoke to Corky. Um, it was the, I think it was the Wigan game after. Was it the Wigan game after the um, Leeds game when you got beat four 0 I think. And I was just about to sign on the Friday. It didn't go through in time, um, and I think it got beat four 0 And Corky lost his job. Um, and I spoke to Sam, and you, you, you're buying into someone else's dream. You're not. You don't. I, I didn't. I don't think I'd really believed, really deep down, that it, you can achieve that because it's where you are currently in the in the in the pyramid of football. It's going to be tough to get where you think you go, you, you want to be. You know. So it's um, yeah. I, I, same same as you. You know. What I, mean? I bought into someone else's dream, and I, I love the ride. And you know. What I mean, I, I'm so glad that I was given the opportunity to, to jump on board, not just the football club, but the group of lads that. The lifestyle, living in the city, you know what I mean? So different, you know what I mean? The, yeah. Having a daughter, the daughter born there and things, you know what I mean? It played a big part in me growing up and in my life as well. Yeah, that no, was brilliant. And to be honest, I mean, I remember I remember having a chat with Corky um, uh, when we were trying to sign uh, Peter Thor. And he, he said to me, who would you sign? I said, listen, you need to go and get Thorny. And he was like, really easy. And I said, I'm telling you now, you need to go and get him. Well, I was on the phone with Thorny all the time to try and get him. Thorny was, you know, I think that's why Thorny left Stoke in, in, a, in such a lovely fashion. I know he didn't, because yeah. the press had been asking me, well, where are you going to go? And I'm saying, look, I want to go to the Championship, so Premier League. Um, and I ended up at Cardiff, which was then at a rival. Um, and of course, they, they, they hated me. Little did they know, I was obviously seeking to get Thorny with me. Mm. And, um, and Thorny was like, he wasn't committing to anything in the press. So obviously he leaves, everybody loves him, and that's great, fair play to him. Um, but I thought it was a little bit different from me, so I still get sick now about it. So it yeah, I was going to say, Cav, you, I, every now and again, I'll just see on your Twitter some Stoke fans uh, giving you a bit of grief. Um, I wanted to ask you, though, so obviously, Sam, man, it went, it's gone a bit sour uh, in the latter years, but the, at the time, it was a magic time for Cardiff fans, and anyone who kind of denies that, I think, is just kind of focusing on the more recent history, which is understandable. But um, I wondered... What, uh, if or what, what was the most odd or weird thing that you saw Sam do or get you to do? Because there was obviously rumours of eating like uh, sheep's testicles and all these different things as initiations. Was there anything which kind of stands that, that out? That was that was actually in my contract. That was uh, that was a clause in the contract. I had to eat sheep's testicles. I swear, that's the show. I was literally like, is he for real or what? <laughs> uh, and it was, it was more or less if we don't get promoted or whatever. And I was like, but, but they were the type of mad stuff that he did do. I mean, the Leeds game, everybody obviously knows, but the Leeds game was bonkers. That I'm looking at, I'm playing a game against the Premier League, Leeds at the time. Um, the stadium, I've never been in, a, in, a, in an atmosphere like it. It was, it was uh, nasty. It was aggressive. It was hostile. It was intimidating, but it was all against Leeds. It was magnificent for us um, as players. And, and if, you, if you couldn't play in that, that atmosphere, then you should, for me, you shouldn't have been playing that period. But in the, in the game, in the moment, um, we've scored, I've obviously got the equalisers, one all. There's 10 minutes left in the game, whatever it's five minutes left in the game. And as we all know, the majority of um, chairmen are very, very controlled, you know, all right, the fans, but they, they sit in the director's box and they don't move. Sam's walking around the pitch and he's, he's literally antagonising and winding up the Leeds fans like you wouldn't believe. And I'm playing the game thinking, Sam, I don't know if this is doing us any good, really. Now, as it turned out, it was because 
our fans went berserk and the crescendo noise then went again which I think gave us more energy and it was just yeah it was phenomenal so, so to, to see a chairman commit um, on a level that he did to take the mickey of himself you know come down the training ground race the lads knowing full well he was going to lose but it was all about the team spirit um, have sheep in his put sheep in his office the sheep crops everywhere and Sam thinks it's hilarious um, there, there was loads of things that he done but it was all for the benefit of us being united and being being collective um, and making sure that once we got set on that pitch if there was a fight we were in the fight if they wanted to play football we'd, we'd match them um, and ultimately hopefully try and, try and outplay them and, and win games Leeds never recovered, I don't think. they. I think they, that was the start of their kind of downfall from being there was a decline on inside, it. yeah. yeah. Um, so just just uh, before we move on, I'm going to do some of the live chat questions which people have sent in. Uh, so let's have a look at what we got. Uh, so Big Allen uh, says, uh, what was your favourite goal that you scored for Cardiff City, Cav? Um, favourite goal? I could say Leeds, couldn't I, but uh, yeah, Leeds obviously scored, but um, I'd say probably the Wolves goal, Wolves away, the volley, corner comes in, headed, headed out, and I hit it, um, couldn't hit it any cleaner really, so that's probably my favourite all-time goal there. Yeah. Um, I missed that one, I wasn't there for that one, my, do- my eldest daughter was born that day. Uh, was that so, really, yeah? Yep, yeah, yeah. so I mem- remember it for different reasons, Cap. Yeah, I remember Gary O'Neill made his debut that day. And, yeah, uh, well, Darren Williams, by the way, for Cardiff, yeah, was was exceptional. Mm. Yeah, Darren Williams made his debut as well that, that day. Mm. Uh, Clive Firth asks, "Will Neil Warnock turn it round for Borough?" Yes, hundred percent. Win on Thursday, draw on Sunday, safe as houses. And uh, James Costley says, "What was your best moment in a Cardiff City shirt?" Oh, there's only one, isn't it? Obviously, lifting the trophy. Um, the the uh, the whole sort of build up to that week, I think it's easy for everybody to, you know, understand what went on after the event. But the week of that build up and the pressure that was building on us as players, and um, to perform, no matter where you went, shop, post office, um, went clothes shopping anywhere, wherever you went, it didn't matter. Everybody seemed to say they had tickets for the game, and everybody wanted us to win which we obviously we wanted mm. to win yeah. we have to try and manage that expectation and you've got to try and manage that on the day where you know you're going to be exhausted if that consumes you you're going to be fatigued very very quickly and in fairness we, we beat we beat QPR through the course of the season I'm thinking it's going to be an easier game than what it actually was and in all mm. fairness you look back in the game they actually should have beat us yeah a terrible um, game ter- poor game of football Mm. Um, well, Cap, we didn't go into a great form. We didn't go into a great form as well, did we? We didn't run up to the playoffs. We weren't very good. The playoff two semi-finals against Bristol City weren't great games. The first game, Thorny scored a header one nil. Yeah. We defended really well. We had a we had a good shape, good structure, but we didn't attack the way that we normally attacked. We didn't score goals like we normally score goals. So it was a it was a different Cardiff City probably month, which probably didn't match up to what we'd done previously in the season, you know what I mean? Because we were free scoring, yeah. you know what I mean? Ernie with you know what I mean, Ernie was just unbelievable that season, you know, but during the playoffs that the, the for the playoff two weeks really, because obviously the, the the final dragged on a little bit uh, yeah. that week or ten days or whatever. So it was just a, it was a, quite a surreal time really. It was quite a, you know what I mean? Well, Lenny, a, if you if you remember Lenny the semi final, Lenny changed the, the, the team and put Willie to the right and played me and Gaz in the middle. 
Yeah. I put, I put Leggy on the left where Alan Mann had been playing, Gaz Ains would have been playing. Um, there, there was quite a few changes. We played 4 3 3 a couple of times. Um, he tried to play you, Ernie, and Tony, you, Tony, and Willie, Ernie, Tony. And it, it was just constantly, there was no sort of. It didn't seem like there was we were, we were building any momentum, but we were just yeah, no consistency. Yeah, yeah. And then I think the game that, that sort of gave us all belief was the Bristol City game because they'd absolutely battered us. Yeah, um, the home that season, they beat us three one. I, I, I scored again, mm. went one nil up, and then we, we had a disaster. And then they beat us away, and I always remember thinking, if um, Scott Murray gets the ball, we need to he needs to get hit early, he needs to get nailed early. Do mm. um, not let him turn and get him run at us because that will just give them momentum and. In fairness, our game plan in that game was good, although we, we didn't, mm. we weren't particularly brilliant in, in, in our, our offensive play. But I thought it was it was clever by Lenny to, to do yeah. that because he knew Willie would sit inside mm. and, he, and he protect the midfield area as well, you know. So yeah. But to be honest, though, I don't really care. It was, it was, it was no, exactly. Like, on the day, and you win, and you, you're sitting there lifting the trophy, and it's like it's the, the stadium's still full, and everyone's bouncing, and the city's bouncing. Mm. Yeah, it was, it was magical, absolutely magical. Yeah, what was... a night, what a night. Um, last couple of questions from the live chat for now, and then we'll go back to them a bit later on. Uh, Gaz wanted to know, did you ever get an offer to sign for West Ham? No, not as far as I'm aware, no. Okay. And then, what else we got? Uh, a random one from Rob Boyle, he says, uh, when you were both playing for Cardiff, did you used to go out clubbing in Cardiff? If so, is there any stories that you could share? <laughs> I'll be honest, I was never, I was never sober enough to, uh, to have any stories. All the stories must have been about me because I was, I was the drunkest man in the world constantly. You know what I mean? So that's yeah. probably had a, had a hindrance on my Cardiff career. To be honest, I think that was, the, I think that was the, um, that, that was actually part of, of the group. The majority of players had been brought in from, from, you know, from outside Cardiff. Like, there was obviously a few home, home boys. Um, but the, the the social aspect of us going out and and we did go out and we, we it generally be a Saturday night, but you didn't um, you didn't you know there was nobody sort of left behind. We all we all looked after each other. There were some yeah. states leaving nightclubs and bars. Yeah. And carry on. we did we did it we did it right, didn't we? We'd go out on a Sunday yeah. if we if we didn't have a game on uh, during the week. You know what I mean? So we we did it right. Our team our team uh, team morale, our bonding, our togetherness was second to none, and I think that's what dragged us through. The bad times, especially the first season when we got beat by Stoke in the in the playoffs, and then the, the following year, and, and even the years after that, I think the the togetherness of Cardiff, the the team and the squad was was absolutely fantastic. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It, was it was great, great bunch of lads, great uh, great characters. And, uh, <laughs> I love, pros. I love that you left that one on. Yeah, Reese Weston. I don't know who he is. <laughs> so much. Has he still got cramp in more? Yeah. He's still running. He's still running. He's still running down the touchline to celebrate my goal. Yeah, well, yeah, with okay. with Trump. Um, just on the subject of Cardiff, then, uh, uh, Cav, do you think they've come back from the resumption now? Two two wins. Do you think they'll get into the playoffs? Um, to be honest, I, I watched them on Saturday. I thought they played particularly well. Um, yeah, I mean, they, they, I wouldn't say they're a particularly dynamic team, but they they seem to be an efficient side. Um, they understand. The style of play that Neil wants or is adapting to, if you like, um, and they're organised. They don't really concede too many goals. They're, they're, they're physically powerful uh, in the areas that you need to be. Um, I wouldn't say they're, as I say, the prettiest team to watch, but they are effective. Um, and then with the likes of Tomlin, I know he didn't play the weekend. He come on, come off the bench. 
he's always he's always capable of, of opening the door for you. So yeah, there is a possibility they could get there. I don't know if they made too late of a run if you like. But um yeah, there's def- there's definitely a yeah, possibility to could make the playoffs. I think uh I think the substitutions you know what, what, what he's making at the minute. You know what I mean. I Gratzel on the bench, uh, Mendes, Langley, Tomlin. Yeah. When you can bring on players like that, you know what I mean. You've, yeah, you've got an, yeah. you've got a chance. You've got a chance because those those three arguably should be starting in the game. We did a show um, on the Sunday morning of the Cardiff City Legion United game, Carv, and we, we we said which team we thought should have been should have been out there. And we named all these players to play. You know what I mean. For me, Lee Tomlin should be a starter. He can he can unlock any defence at the minute. You know what I mean. He's, he's that talented as a player. Gratzel centre yeah. forward leads the line really well. He's but then he's coming off the bench. He's got a point to prove, and he's he's scoring more goals now coming off the bench than he has been all season. So for me, whatever Neil Harris is doing, continue because he's doing a he's doing a great job at the minute. Because he's had his doubters. He's you know what I mean. He's been quite. Sort of, um, as well, you, know, you know it's like in the games where the team sheet comes in. Um, we'd always go now beforehand, but the manager, the assistant manager, you go into the referees, you know, and they'd give your team sheet, and they give their team sheet. And if you look at the teams. And then um, referee be giving us instructions, and I'd be like, "He's not playing. He's not playing. He's not." I'll get to him. Happy days. Problem yeah. you have with that though is when you when you get to sixty minutes and you haven't pulled away from the team that you're expected to be. Mm. Next of all, they make two or three changes, mm. and there you know the big hitters are coming on. The big the big time players are like, and, and they're powerful, they're strong. They can get behind you. They can cause you problems from set pieces. They can get across the front of you and, and block you. And there's there's loads of areas of the game where you think physically they can cause us super problems to get in the right mm. areas and. It, it becomes then that, that the, the team actually sits deep and you end up playing yeah. into the, the Cardiff's hands. Yeah, well, I think as well, I think uh, with the new new rules of five subs, yes, there's only three times you can yeah. do it, but five subs with the squad that Cardiff have got, you know what I mean? The Cardiffs, the Leeds, the West Broms, the biggest squads and the best squads uh, yeah. starting, to, starting, to, starting to look even better because, you know what I mean, before you can only bring three on, so you've got to do it, you've got to look around and go, which is the best three option out of the seven we've got? Yeah. Now you can bring five on and you're giving half your team basically a rest and, and a chance yeah, exactly to push right. on. Yeah, it's interesting. We were speaking off air about some of the teams, and it's it's amazing how some of the teams have come back, um, which looks fitter mm. than certain teams look fitter than, than other teams. And you're wondering, is it sports science? Is it the way they trained? Is it um, is it a lack of training? Mm. I suppose from the manager's point of view, you don't know what, what what's completely correct because I certainly wouldn't have been happy in this predicament when we're told, right, you've got three weeks, you can only play two two bounce games because mm. you need to get them up to a certain level beforehand and it was always the same to start pre-season you're doing your six games pre-season it wasn't until about the third and the fourth game in that you actually felt fully match fit where yeah. you were really really up to speed these players have now got nine games to finish the season and they're mm. expected to hit a bang straight away whilst they're competing for points and, and if, they, if you're losing you're losing confidence you're losing distance from where you, where you want to be um, and the pressure builds and builds I think it's helped people like uh, obviously Joe Rawls has had his injury, so Joe's come back in yeah. in really good form, and um, he's got himself in good shape. His, his his hip injury looks like it's cleaned up, and I think um, teams who've who've had long term injuries. I'll use Harry Kane for an example in the Premier League. Yeah. That, that that Spurs were going, Spurs were probably going nowhere. You know what I mean? They were they were getting battered in the Champions League. They were they were falling away from the Premier League, and then all of a sudden now. Uh, son's back from his broken arm. Harry Kane's back from his his, his hamstring surgery, and all of a sudden you've got your two best players on the pitch, and you yeah. can push on and kick on. and And I think you know, making only it, 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 you've got to get the positives out of the out of the big negative, you know. And, and teams like that can can afford to do that. And it's obviously it's a shame for certain clubs who who, who um, haven't been able to select every player because of contracts and uh, and other certain issues. But you know, I mean, Cardiff are, are getting the rewards from from uh, from from COVID nineteen, especially. 
Okay. Um, there's a couple of questions. I just want to go back to one because um, I thought it was quite an interesting question. And it kind of um, went with what we were talking about. Uh, Richard asked, before you came to Cardiff, were you worried about the our reputation at the time? Obviously, most of all the English clubs absolutely hated Cardiff City. No, they never even come into my head. Didn't didn't bother me in the slightest. The only thing I was concerned about was um, what money um, the club were going to spend. Who were we going to bring in? Because um, no disrespect, the the group that I was in that I was coming into uh, wasn't wasn't yet ready to challenge for uh, promotion. Sam was saying, "Oh, we've got all these great young kids," and and Amy, you know, as he's done at every level he played, he, he hit the ground running. Um, Gabs was the same, but we but we we didn't have the quality that we knew we needed to get promoted. So obviously, I wanted to convince enough Sam that look, who are we going to sign? Who are the targets? Um, how are they going to make us better? Uh, and what areas are you going to you going to strengthen in? And and to be honest, once that was answered, it was it was an easy decision for me. Yes. To be honest, I'll go I'll go back to I'll go back to another point then. So you said. Um, about your contract that you that if you didn't get promoted you you had to eat um, sheep's testicles etc. You should have told me that before the playoff final because I wouldn't have scored. I would have enjoyed watching you watching you do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, yeah. yeah. It was it was mad. Like the stuff the Sammy used to put in the contracts for the players, um, but it was all as I say, it was just off a team spirit. I mean, he he, he spoke about um, taking us to the to London one night. I don't really remember this camps. Um, if we lost. I think it was the last 10 games, I can't remember. He was going to take us to the opera. And I was thinking, oh my God, it's the last thing. If you put me through three hours of the opera, I'm definitely winning the game on Saturday. It's, it's uh, and, and to be fair, and I think that, that was uh, how charismatic he was and, and, and togetherness, you know what I mean, to get the lads together because... You know, I mean, wherever we went, if it was Sweden in pre-season, if it was, uh, I remember we had a good trip down to Cheshire, didn't we, when we stayed at Mottram Hall, that was a good, uh, you know yeah. what I mean? But everywhere we went, we left our little stamp on on, uh, on every little place we went because it was just, uh, you know what I mean? It was just... In more ways than one, yeah. So well, yeah, good. exactly. You know what yeah. I mean? It was, it was great. Great time. Great time for everybody. Um, I just wanted to, I, I know I just said I was going to move on from the live chat, but a load of people just asked pretty much the same question on YouTube and Facebook. Um, and that's about Albert uh, Adoma being forced to go back from his loan period at Cardiff. Uh, Neil Harris was not happy bunny. Um, so I don't know if you know the story, both basically he's obviously he's on loan because of the, the break, the loans up. Um, mm -hmm. Neil Harris thinks that, you know, there should have been, some sort of extension granted, but uh, it's not the case. The EFL have forced him to go back, which leaves Cardiff a player down, going into a you know a, not the easiest of situations anyway. Um, what's your thoughts on that? Uh, go on, Andrew. We'll start with you, and then we'll go to Cav. Um, I'm probably not going to be liked, but I just think it's it, rules are rules. You know what I mean? For me, you you do a, a loan to the end of the season. You can extend it through the playoffs. You know what I mean? Which is normally uh, what May the 25th or whatever. So it's. You know what I mean? It's you, you've gone past the the days of his loan, so you know he's, he's got to go back. It's just it is it's it's not it's not very nice. It's not a not very nice thing because potentially he's going to go back to Forest. Um, and I watched them on Sunday against uh, Huddersfield, and I thought 
for bits and bobs, they're, they're, they're excellent. They, you know what I mean? Yeah, well, Sammy, uh, Sammy o, Amiobi on one side, him on the other, and put, stick Joe Lolly a little bit further forward or do, behind the centre forwards. That, they'll make them excellent. And, but that'll be Cardiff's downfall now for me, though, because uh, they'll miss a, a big player. Yes, Mendes Lang can come in, but he's been making a difference coming off the bench. But it is just massively unfortunate. And just the, the times that we're in, you know, that teams are missing players because they're deciding not to play due, due to contracts. Nottingham Forest are doing the best by themselves. So. It's just unlucky, really. Yeah, as Kelly says there, if it was the other way around, Cardiff would be looking after themselves, not worrying about what Forrest are doing. Um, mm. And it's you know, it's just is what it is. Uh, what about what do you think of the situation, Cav? Um, I, I, I disagree. The reason I disagree is because we're in unusual times. The last 15 weeks we haven't been playing football. Obviously, we've come back now. We're back into it three or four weeks training, played a week's now football, 10 days of football, whatever it is. Um, and the rules were in place at the time for a league to be finished at a certain time. But the dynamics of the whole season has changed for me. Um, and if you were, if you'd agreed to take them to the end of the season, the season hasn't finished yet. So for me, they should have, they should have extended it, regardless of the decision that was made at the time by um, by Forest. They were quite happy for the player to leave. So on the back of them leaving, nobody could foresee whether it was performance, whether it was. Mm results, uh, whether it was COVID, that, you know, oh, we, we now, we've, we've made a poor decision and we need to bring him back. I understand what first they're doing, of course they do, but um, mm. as I say, because of the way the real change has been and, and, the, and the, the quickness in which they want to get the league over, I think the, the, the same set of rules should have applied and they should have given to the end of the mm. season. Well, I th- well I, part of me agrees with you, Cav, but then part of me agrees that that should go for every other player as well, though, you know what I mean, that we've got, we've got players who are deciding not to play. You're contracted for this season, you know what I mean? So if you're contract for this season, then you finish this season, potentially, you know what I mean? So it's a massive kind of worms. And for me, UEFA probably should have stepped in at the start and every league should have finished or void or whatever. So and contracts should have been the same. And it's just every 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 country's done something different. English football's done something different. Scottish football's done something different. It's just, it's a massive, massive can of worms. And hopefully we never... Uh, have to go through any of this again if it's for this or for something else because I just think uh, it was handled really badly um, from start to finish um, and it is what it is everyone's got their own opinion like John listen I, I fully agree I, I, I would love to see Albert stay at a Cardiff City Football Club but at the same time I would love to see uh, Lyle Taylor still be playing for Charlton Athletic yeah. so it's it's the same thing but, but, but see I would disagree with that I'll tell you why um, if the club uh, wanted the players to, to stay, extend their contracts, not by a month, but by another year, and offer the player the contract. Because the player, the way the, way the player is seen is, if I play in these four weeks and I get injured, and it's a bad injury, mm. especially with the, the times we're in, clubs are going to be spending less money, they're going to be offering lower contracts, uh, lesser length of contracts. So mm. if you value me that, that much, offer me an extended contract, and don't extend it by a month, because... At the end of the day, you're looking after you. You're not actually mm. looking after me, the player. Um, I totally, I, 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 I totally agree. And new, numerous of clubs. You know what I, I totally mean? Totally agree. I totally agree. But then, but then, but then, but then, the flip side is Nottingham Forest. Then are looking after their own. They're looking after their own, then, aren't they? So they're bringing their own player back and look after themselves. So we can't. You know, have... you know, no, I appreciate that. But what I'm saying is, yeah. I think it's two different points. What I'm, what I'm saying is, I think because of the regulations, and, and this is where it's muddy the waters for me, for me completely. I understand it financially because the EFL haven't been able to supply the money to give League One and League Two clubs um, the COVID testing 
and the championship clubs are paying for themselves. That's why they're able to come back and play games. Yeah, yeah. But to have a set of rules in the EFL for the championship and not apply that to League One and League Two, it's just that's just bonkers. Mm. But they should have just owned it and said, right, I tell you what, we're going to make the decision. And if your if your loan needs to be extended, well then you can't go back and play for your your, your previous club because mm. that wouldn't have happened. Um, in a normal season anyway no, 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 totally and, agree. and, and, and now, you're, now you're asking it to, to happen so yeah. there's double standards across the board mm. I think for, for, for both sides but I agree I, get I, point I agree but well, I, I see it from every I, I see it from every we've had, we've had this debate show on show and I think the, it's the wording of a contract the wording of a contract is your contract finishes on a day you know what I mean likewise your loan finishes yeah. on a date the, the wording should be that you've loaned till the end of the season. That's not what the wording says in the contract. So that the small print yeah, is, yeah. and, and le- the leagues have got, got no leg to stand on. You know what I mean? The league's yeah. stuck in the middle of a of a wrangle between Cardiff City, Nottingham Forest. The player doesn't know what he's doing because he just wants to play. Is he going to play at Forest? Probably not. Is he going to play at Cardiff? Yeah. He is playing. So yeah. you know what I mean? He's, he's the one I feel sorry for. You know because yeah. he's going to he's going to go back because Forest see him as a threat to their promotion, their playoffs, and. Yeah. I was so, going to ask that. Is it, is the only reason that Forest are enforcing? Having him back to try and weaken Cardiff's promote playoff push, it's hundred yeah. percent, isn't it? And yeah. I think... Well, it's both. There's both as well, say, isn't it? Because he's a, he's a good enough footballer that he probably he, he will get in their squad. And could he score big big goal in the playoff semi final final? You know what I mean? To put him through a bench, win. maybe. Of course he could, you know, because he's, he's he is that good of a footballer, you know, on his day. So you know, what I mean, it, it's it's a it, the Cavs said about muddy waters. It's extremely muddy. But they've made this mud themselves by creating different standards for League Two, League One, Championship, Premier League. You know what I mean? For me, everyone thinks of things the same shape. My argument to that would be, um, if, they've, if they've done that because they see him as a player that potentially make them better in the playoffs, why loan them out to start with? Yeah, yeah, no, I, I agree. I agree. So I, he, 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 so wasn't play, he wasn't playing at the time. He wasn't, he wasn't playing when exactly. they let him go. So. They, they, they didn't deem him good enough. Cardiff have yeah. resurrected his career, given him a platform to play on. Yeah, um, he's going. He's going to end up well. Um, COVID has happened, unfortunately, and mm. now they've thought, well, no, actually, he is. He is playing quite well. He's actually better than what we thought. Well, you know, let's bring him back because that mm. will hamper another team's mm. chances, and it might help mm. us. So they've, they've, they've used the reels to their advantage. Yeah, I think. think uh, Sorry, sorry, sorry I think I was I, just I, say, I, go on, on mate. Let me just get this skin quick. Sorry, um, I was just going to say, do you know if the EFL, when they announced that all the games are coming back, said right. Because we insist that the season's got to be finished, which is obviously a whole other debate that we've talked about that FIFA should have stepped in, but whatever. Um, should the EFL, the Premier League, whoever, all these different leagues, even FIFA, said any loan deals till the end of the season will be till the end of the season, whether that end of the season yeah. is in June or whether that's in September or next year, every single loan deal that says end so of the season... I they're the only dates, they're, they're right. the only governing body. They're the only they're the only really governing body who can who can make make that happen. Nobody else, the AFL can't can't really do no, that because but FIFA could, couldn't they? They could say the whole world of football, every loan deal that's till the end of the year is now being could have done. You know, enforced. But could that would mean FIFA would have to actually hmm. do something useful and we all I I agree with the uh, or Richard Sullivan's put uh in the chat that uh, he thinks Cardiff is still strong without him. You've got yeah, uh, White, Mendes Lang, Josh Murphy. Well, I'm not sure what's going on with Josh Murphy, but you've still got him on the books. Um, so for me, you've still got wide men who can deliver just as much, if not more. You know I me, mean? I've been a massive fan of, of White. I think he's been outstanding. The games that I've seen him live, um, really, really impressed. And yeah, hopefully perhaps, he can bring that form back. Cavs a problem. 
not the problem you have, but <clears throat> we all know as 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 good as certain players are in the league, it takes a certain uh, mindset and character when you go to the playoffs because the pressure builds very very. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Adama has been there and done it with Middlesbrough. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's had a long spell then with um, with Forest, and now he's come in and hit the ground running really with with, with Cardiff. And you miss that experience, that that calmness. I've been there, I've done it, I know how to do it, just follow me. You know, I'm I'm okay in my position and I know how to help us win games. Mm. So, you know, it is a disadvantage that he's not there for me, 100%. Oh, yeah, it'll, it'll, it'll be a loss, but, you know what I mean, it's it's up to the players to step up to the step up to the players. Mm. Give somebody an opportunity to go and play. Um, okay, so... Um, and did you want to do that now? Or... Yes, please. Yeah, yeah. Go on. You go. You go ahead, there, mate. Um, so obviously, we uh, we got uh, a sponsor from uh, Darren from Bespoke. So I'd just like to tell you a little bit about it. So Bespoke Financial, new sponsor of the show, um, number one protection firm in the UK. They give you life insurance, critical illness insurance, uh, income protection, mortgage cover, uh, and sports cover, which I've got um, probably all of them through the through, through Darren and his company. So if anybody wants to get in touch, the Details are on at the end of the show, you know what I mean? Helps you if you're playing football professionally, semi-professionally. If you get injured, are you covered as well? So it's uh, something really handy to have. Spot on, mate, spot on. And uh, yeah, welcome them on board. And um, obviously happy to have uh, them supporting the show alongside Black Diamond Sports and all the people who watch every week and uh, listen every week, of course. Um so, Cav, one of the things um, which really interests me about the the real, like the early part of your career, the very very start, is um, obviously you started with Home Farm, um, which is over in Ireland, I believe, isn't it? Um, yeah. They had churned out some unbelievable uh, talent and names in the football world, but like, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it's quite a small place, isn't it? Like a small club and a small. Uh, Academy is it or club? I'm not sure. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a, a school. Board, board. Essentially, essentially, um, it has has one main pitch, and it's got about four or five pitches out the back, which are training pitches, and then it has a, a gravel pitch that, is, that you can use twenty four seven, three hundred sixty five days of the year. But um, yeah, it was it was just a club that um, great people in it, uh, really well run. Had Ray Tracy um, as the as the manager, and a fellow called Brendan Menton. Who Brendan was the the chairman. Uh, he'd been involved in Irish schoolboy football for years and years and years, and um, he, he knew everything about the game. And, and obviously, my thoughts on, on moving there was all or majority of the, the, the kids who went to England. I knew from I'd say probably about four or five. I want to be a footballer, and to be a footballer, the only place you could do that was in England. So I always knew. That the chance came around, I was moving to, I was moving across the water, and there was no alternative for me. So I was leaving my family, me, me um, friends, all that carry on. But to get that, you needed to be spotted, and the, the, the scouts were all coming to home farm. So I went to home farm, and I ended up joining this team that were unbeaten for, oh, I think it was nine, ten years. In the Guinness Book of Records, I think we had been a phenomenal team. The majority of the players went away to England. The, the two players who made it were me and Gary Kelly. Um, and funny enough, we were, the, we were the two players that came later into the group. I came under 13, Gaz came under uh, 16, I think it was. But it just, it, it was just, it was very, very, um, it was a, it was a schoolboy club that was run professionally in the, in the sense of the, you know, 
respect, um, discipline, dedication, all the all the the, the the basics you need to be a footballer were instilled into you. You know, obviously along with passion, drive, ability, talent, they all need to be there anyway. But um, it was just it was just a really well run club, and um, you know there used to be a bar. You go to the bar afterwards, and all the teams were on the wall. Of the bar with all the the, the ex players, and you know, as you've named a few. Ronnie Whelan was 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 a, was a player I, I loved, um, another midfield player. So Ronnie had come across uh, thing and got to Liverpool, had an unbelievable career. And uh, yeah, that was that, that was my journey. That was that was sort of the club I went to, and, and you know, if I played well again, I'd get scouts looking at me. Tell yeah. uh, tell people, Cav, about uh, the Milk Cup. How important is the Milk Cup for a, a young player? Unbelievable. Well, the Milk Cup was in its infancy really when when, uh, when we started. I, I went up to the Milk Cup. Under fourteen, but I, I, I couldn't actually play. I, I had a fight with this lad um, and brought me brought me hand Does, on his head. Doesn't sound like you. So, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> um, I had a fight with this lad. Brought me hand on his head. But my hand was in plaster, and um, they wouldn't let me play in the tournament. So I was raging. So two years later, we went back on the sixteen, and um, that was. I mean, the Arrow group at the time was Middlesbrough. There was a local team in it. It was Liverpool. Um, Corinthians, I think, were the team in it from Brazil. The, the, the teams have come from everywhere. And literally, on the sideline, you'd be stood in be everybody, every jacket you could think of. Liverpool, mm. Man United, Man City, all the scouts were lined up and yeah. they looked for the best talent. And, and they're amazing, amazing, amazing. So, for, so, for, so for people who people who don't know, um, the Milk Cup is, is, is probably, well, for me, it was the, the biggest and best uh, junior tournament in the world. It was running Ireland. Yeah. Um, every club, in the world, Middlesbrough, Man United is the best clubs in um, in, in England, Scotland. Um, Cav just said there, Brazilian teams. You know what I mean? National teams would go, um, and it would just be it would just be the best of the best. You'd go there for a week. You'd have uh, the first couple of days. You'd 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 play against everybody, and then you'd be split into a the winners group and yeah. then the losers group. So everyone would keep playing, and it would just be uh, just be the best tournament, the best time of your young life because you you were mingling um, as a young player with the rest of your group. So you're getting on everybody else and. And like I've said there, you get an opportunity to impress because, you know what I mean, not just your own club, um, this, every every scout under the sun knew who you were um, and it was just a, a really happy time just to Cavs, go and enjoy your, enjoy your football. Cavs, what, what was also great about it, and, and I never really understood this at the time, was you were playing against the South American teams who were playing a different type of football. Mm. They were rolling around in a different type of way. They were receiving the ball in different ways, a different skill set. And the education you were gaining from just playing against them uh, was phenomenal and uh, at that young age 14, 15, 16, 17 um, to gain all that that sort of exposure and experience to them it really sort of stands in good stead down the line and as, as we've seen in the Premier League um, which is then filtered into the Championship all the different nationalities that we have and mm. the way the game's changed and, and the dynamics of the game the, the, a lot of the foreigners have brought a huge difference to, to the style in which we play and um, yeah. it's, improved, it's improved their game ma- mm. uh, massively well, I think, um, well, you know, I remember we played FC Porto and I think that was my first uh, real um, thought process of, uh, I looked at their team, they were they were massive, big, strong, you know what I mean? They weren't, I don't think any of their players were Portuguese. They had Brazilians, Argentinians, Russians, Italians, Spanish, and you know what I mean? So, it, it, foreigners aren't just, haven't just come into the Premier League or coming, you know what I mean? They've been worldwide for that long and, you know what I mean? I'm going back, what? I'm 41 now, so, you know what I mean? Probably 20, 25, 26 years ago, you know? So, it's a, it's a hell of a long time, but it just shows how, how strong football is and was for, 
for generations now, and it's just you know I mean it's come to a, come to a head that everyone now wants to play in the best leagues and. Uh, the Premier League's a place to be because there's, there's, it's a business, there's money, you know what I mean? There's, there's, there's teams winning Champions Leagues, but you know what I mean? For me, the best time of my life, you know what I mean, growing up as a, as a player was, uh, was, was Mill Cup, it was great. Um, so, Cav, you, you mentioned there then about, uh, about scouts, about people watching you, um, you know what I mean? You mentioned all these big clubs then, so um, why Middlesbrough? So, what did, what did Rombone, what did Rombone say to Cav to get him to come to Middlesbrough? Um, what did Ron say to me? Well, funny enough, Obviously, there's all this illegal tapping up now and all this carry on. Ron right. just, Ron's, Ron didn't do anything illegal, surely. No, was, Ron bowled into air just now uh, <laughs> and went, uh, Yeah, you uh, can have a word. And I'm like, Yeah, and he went, I, I want you to come to, to Middlesbrough. And I was like, Okay, I was buzzing, I was delighted. Um, funny thing in Ireland was, though, and I suppose this is, this is across the world, but a lot of people are afraid to make decisions um, and they wait for somebody else to make a decision before they make their decision. So he, um, Ron was the first to, to show me some love, if you like, to, to show me that he really fancied me as a player. Um, and he was prepared to put some money where his mountain was and, and bring me over. And from coming over, I was, I was over here 10 days, I think it was. Played three games and um, scored in two of the games. Scored two in one game, scored in another game. Um, played really well in the third game. Ron said, look, want to sign you? And I went back to Ireland with, with, the, with, with the, my head set on side of the middle um, played for Ireland against Northern Ireland, went round the goalkeeper, put the ball into the net, and as I done it, the centre half came in, smashed me, and the ripping, uh, ripping the uh, ligaments on the inside. So I was out for four months. In the meantime, Liverpool, Leeds, and Man City came in for me. I'm a big Liverpool fan, and um, I'm thinking, right, they've just won the league, 1990. Will I go? Will I not go? And my head was saying, Middlesbrough's a club for you because it's the club that you're going to get a chance at. Are you going to get a chance to live up here with John Barnes, Ronnie Wheeler, and all these players? They just signed Jamie Redknapp as well. Me, me mate, who played at home farm with a fellow called Mark Kenny, he was there. So I thought Middlesbrough's a club I want to go to. Um, they've got a great history of bringing players through. And um, it'll be an education for me, and, and, and it certainly was. So obviously, being a professional footballer is um, you live in a million pound house, you drive all these cars. So you went to Middlesbrough and you lived where? I lived in a place called the Mayo Hotel, which was a uh, with was, uh, with <laughs> with every other every every other player under the sun. Every other player under the sun, yeah. And we had it was it was brilliant. It was a it was a family run digs. Um, in fairness, Eleanor and John who who were, were like mother and father to all of us, all the players. I was the very first player over the time, and um, from our well, actually tell you, it was there's two lads called Mick Devine and Stephen Napier. But they, they were about to be released and I was going to spend the next sort of year on my own, if you like. And that, that transition from a 15, 16-year-old kid coming over to England um, to a new part of the world, to make friends, have to adapt to a football environment, which everybody thinks is easy. But you know, it's like Callum now, my son, is, is about to, to do it. Um, and he's saying, oh, Dad, I'll, I'll be able to do this, this, this after training. I guarantee... You'll be coming in, you'll sit on the sofa, you'll fall asleep, you'll wake up, you'll eat, you'll go back mm. to bed, you'll sleep. And and adapting that lifestyle sounds easy, but it isn't. It was, it was tough. It was a tough adaption. And then not having a family to be able to support you because um, they were at home. So it, it does build resili uh, resilience and a toughness that you, I suppose, you, you, you take with you for the rest of your life. But, uh, yeah, it was, well, that was, it was a big learning curve. 
that was my next question, Cav. Really, that you know, what I mean, did it did it help living with everybody else? Because obviously, you lived with uh, obviously. I, I think I remember that. I know Salif was there, and Keith O'Halloran, and I'm sure Muzi was there at the time, and uh, and other players as well. So, did, did that help you all, not just yourself, settle in into the area? You, you I'm guessing you socialised together. You went to training together. Um, you know, what I mean, instead it, of just it, miss, it missing family. It did help massively, but it was also a hindrance. Um, so, as an example of that. We, we're, we're all different, we're all learning our, our trade, we're all learning how to be professionals. Um, likewise, you can be influenced and, you know, if one was going out, it generally meant that everyone was going out and if everyone went out, it meant instead of one being in trouble, everybody's in trouble. <laughs> um, but you were learning as you were, as you were going and, but, likewise, you had to support, if they were like brothers to you. Again, like Salif, um, yeah. comes over, doesn't speak a word of English, I end up, Genuinely, I ended up teaching how to speak English. Don't know how I did. And the only thing we had in common was Chris Waddle. He loved Chris Waddle. I had a video, I had a video of him. So um, I used to tell him a word. And he, and he ended up speaking with, with an, Irish, uh, an Irish accent to start. But, and, we're, and we're obviously very close still to this day. So it's, it's uh, yeah. yeah, it was great, a great experience. Uh, and uh, obviously, you made, your, you made your debut for Middlesbrough. You obviously played uh, at Essen Park, which was obviously something that, you know, I mean, I. I remember fondly uh, watching you uh, as a young player because I watched all the games at Essen Park before they went to Riverside. So, tell us about your early memories of, of playing at Essen Park. Bit similar to uh, Indian Park, really. Um, yeah, I thought so, similar, yeah. Very similar grounds. Uh, pitch was always lovely. Generally, generally nice pitch. Um, fans were on top of the pitch. You know, they, at the far side of the chicken run. Uh, if you weren't playing well, they, they let you know about it and you got absolutely battered. Obviously, at the Holgate end, which the home fans would be in, and there was just, I remember being a kid, first coming over and looking at the likes of Barry Slade and jumping on the fence. Paul Wilkinson then came, and the, the, you know, the likes of John Hendry, people, they were the fans really bought into and loved, and then they became part of the furniture, and the fans really, really took to them as, as one of their own, even though they weren't. And that was, that was something that really stuck with me with the way the Middlesbrough fans were. So you, you obviously you were dying to make a debut. You, you know, I was fortunate enough I made in the Premier League, played away at um, Forest, and then made the home day began Sheffield Wednesday. And uh, it was a it was a roller coaster of a season. It was uh, we ended up getting relegated, but I played mm. eight ten games, or it was, um, and I was off and running. But then you had the transition. Then we moved to the stadium uh, with Brian Robson, and the whole club just changed. I mean, you were part of it, obviously, but mm. to have the likes of Janino, Emerson, Ravenelli. Branco, um, and then the names that followed afterwards. It was just, it was a huge hill of football, and, and Middlesbrough set the trend for, for these magnificent world stars to come come aboard. And then to be, to be able to train with them and see how they were, and see how they were as people, how they carried themselves, how professional they were, but also how humble they were. It was, it was, it was uh, yeah, it was, it was brilliant. Yeah, uh, we touched on it earlier. Um, obviously, you moved to, you moved to Stoke City. Um, and Sai mentioned it earlier on about uh, about social media and things, and and uh, and the way that Stoke City fans have never really forgiven you. Um, but obviously, Thorny got like a bit of a bit of a free ride. So, do you think it's uh, deserved the stick that you get from football supporters, especially Stoke City supporters, about the way you left? Um, in an ideal world, I'd, I'd love them all to know the real story, but it's not. They they support their team. They're not gonna they're not gonna take my version of events now. Did I want to leave? Um, potentially, yes, because as I said earlier, we didn't feel the club had what they what they said and promised and delivered. Sorry, what they they said they wouldn't deliver and they hadn't done. And the fact that they didn't show me any any uh, commitment to want to keep me, I thought, okay, well then let's explore what's out there because I mean, it's one career. 
it's coming to an end. They seen it as, as a bit of money thing, and I was a greedy so and so. Um, so that's that's their prerogative. It's, mm. it's water off the duck's back to me, to be honest. Um, I really enjoyed my time at Stoke. It was, it was a great club. It is a great club. It's got very good fans. Um, and in fairness, whenever they go back, they're always good as gold. Me, it's just the keyboard mm. warriors who want to say what they want to say. I don't need too many of them are prepared to say it to my face, you know. Oh, there's a few nice ones because I, I do remember there was a, 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 a young lady who was uh, very quite complimentary of um, what you achieved at, car, at Stoke City, sorry, and uh, I'm sure she was going to watch the show tonight, so hopefully she did, which is uh, which is obviously great for us and great for you. But no, listen, you know what I mean? I, I asked that question because, you know what I mean, for me, as a, as a, as a ex-teammate, as a friend, you know what I mean? When I see... Um, People saying negative things and saying and saying, and saying things about things that they don't really know about. You know that, that football is an industry where they don't really know what goes on behind the scenes. They don't really know the conversations what I had between two people or three people behind closed doors, and and they just see people moving to certain clubs X, Y, and Z, and see it as a, that you betrayed certain clubs, certain certain teams, and it's, it's it couldn't be further from the truth. And sometimes in, in an ideal world, you'd move differently, but it's not an it's ideal world. The way, the way I see it now is I played with an awful lot of players. Um, throughout my career and generally the ones who get stick were the good players some of the players who come back to other clubs and were absolutely dog shit and you're like are they getting a standing ovation I'm thinking yeah. that's incredible that I've just made the club yeah. X amount of pounds and I'm going yeah. to take it all the stick so yeah. it's like so, so it, it doesn't it's a compliment it's a backhanded compliment whoever you, yeah. you look at it um, yeah. and the fact that I left meant that they they actually it bothered them so they would, have, they would have rather stayed. So it obviously tells obviously also why you're Yeah. Um, Cav, just on this kind of subject of leaving, a few people have asked in the live chat as well, so, and it was something which I was going to ask you about, so I suppose it all fits together nicely. Um, when you left Cardiff, obviously Cardiff fans were disappointed that you, um, that you left. Was that a point where you wanted to make that move to uh, you know, to a like a to Premier League club? But were Wigan in the Premier League then? I think they were, weren't they? No, no. No, they weren't, were they? Yeah, he got promoted. Um, no. He got promoted to the Premier League. Yeah, he got, we got promoted. Yeah. So, no, that 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 wasn't that wasn't what happened. I will tell you exactly what happened. I've told the story before, but this this is actually how it played out. Um, we went in on the Monday, and we were supposed to have been paid on the Friday. And because I was the captain, I was the spokesperson for the players. So I went to see uh, Jason Turner. It was the secretary time, and those lads had mortgages. You know, there was childcare, and there was care payments. There was all sorts. Um, so players quite rightly want to know when we're getting paid. So I went to see Jason. Jason said, "No, look, it's been a financial, uh, it's been a banking uh, error, which obviously that was the word from Sam, but I didn't know that. So I went back into the, the dressing room and I said, "Look, I've been really sure everything's fine. We're going to get paid tomorrow or late this afternoon." So late this afternoon came and went. We didn't get paid. The Tuesday came um, and we hadn't been paid. And I said, "Look, Jason, if if this is bigger or more serious than what." you know, I need to know, because there's players panicking um, and all the bullshit in the world isn't going to help the situation, so we need to address it. So he then called Sam and Sam said, look, there's, there's been a, a slight issue, um, but it's not a problem. We've got an investor who's going to uh, pay to cover the wages for the next three months. So I said, right, fair enough. So that was the end of it. So we were going to be paid, I think it was on a Friday. And um, we had the Wednesday off, I went to, I was in Jazzy Jungle with the kids up in um, Landaff, I think it was. And um, I'm just playing with uh, Megan and Callum. And I get a phone call from Lenny. He says, uh, Cav, I need to see you first thing in the morning. 
So I said, I think all right. He went, look, he said, I hate to say this to you, but basically um, we need to sell it. The, the, the investment has fallen through. Um, we've had an inquiry because word has got out that the, um, the club is in financial difficulty. And um, the, the, the club that's made the best offer has been Wigan. Bear in mind, I didn't have a clue that the club were in this position. I had never dreamt of leaving the club. I was doing my badges at the club, thinking I was going to potentially retire um, at the club and have a future, whether it be on the coaching staff or in the academy or wherever it would be. And that was my sort of thought process. Um, whilst also thinking that we still had a chance of getting promoted with the club and me being captain, and that would have been magnificent. So anyway, that was that was my thought process. So I get in to see Lenny on the tours of morning, and um, Lenny says, look, we've got the investor now. It's not happening. The deal is off. So that was fine. I went and trained. Um, came back in the afternoon. Nothing was said. Didn't even get any boots because obviously I didn't know anything about it. And uh, Lenny rings me on tours of night. The deal is happening. We're going to uh, Wigan. Uh, you need to go up there tomorrow and discuss personal terms. Um, and I'm thinking, we all know transfers need to be signed by 12 o'clock. So I'm like, well, how am I going to go up there? So I'll drive, what I do, I have to go to the club and get my boots. So I get to the club about half seven, get my boots, say goodbye to um, one or two people who are there. Surreal moment, because I'm still thinking, is this actually going to happen? Because it's now fallen through twice. Um, I'm not going to time to think. We're going to play in uh, Ipswich was the next day, and we were due to play Sheffield United. The lads had obviously heard through the week that I was potentially moving, but then the deal was dead. Um, and I remember James Collins wrote on the board in the, uh, the physio room, um, please don't go, Cav, uh, you're our saviour, blah, blah, blah. I was giving all this taking to Mickey. And then, anyway, on the Friday, literally, my helicopter's come to pick you up. Uh, and, and that was literally as quickly as, uh, as, quickly as it happened. And, and the funny part of it was, my missus drove me to um, the helipad in Cardiff with my daughter. And I had literally just left the club to get any boots. And I'm coming out of the club, I'm, you know, upset my having. Then I get onto a helicopter on my own. I'm shitting myself going onto this helicopter. Cause <laughs> so anyway, uh, and I'm, I'm waving at Ross and, and Megan on the ground. I'm like, he's going to see us, I'm thinking. And then I'm going, I have now prepared for them. I had no clothes even going to be playing for So that, that was how mad it was. It was, it was just, it was, honestly, it was bonkers. Um, yeah, so a weird win for a week. Was it um, like? Did you feel let down by the club and by the hierarchy of the club to be treated like that after the years of quality service that you've given? You know, you've given a lot to Cardiff, um, and there you did no, an honest, you did a very honest, emotional interview at the time as well, just after you yeah. left. No, to be honest, and I'll tell you why I didn't. I was I was twenty, I think it was twenty eight or twenty nine. I think it was twenty nine. And with that stage, having been at Middlesbrough, having done the transfer to, to Stoke, having then been sold in the manner and fashion I was, to then move to Cardiff, I very quickly became clear this was a business. And you understand that. I was at the age where I knew uh, the club needed the money. They needed to sell an asset. I was an asset that they deemed um, sellable. And therefore, bang, you're done. This isn't personal. But, you know, if we could choose to keep you, we would. Um, if we could choose to give you a new contract, we would, but they weren't in that position. So there was no point in me crying over spilled milk. The advantage of that for me was um, if they had forced me to go to a club that I didn't want to go to, and the only the reason I wanted to go to Wigan was because they were challenging to get into the Premier League. 
and that that in itself then became a focus from right okay you can you can sit and cry over it and wallow in it or you can actually face a new challenge and see if you can get to the Premier League um, chase the dream that you've been talking about for the last five, five or six years again um, and throw yourself into it and that's, that's what I did so I didn't have any, any animosity towards anybody um, in fact the, like when my career came to the end I, uh, it was actually the complete opposite because it actually, it actually worked in my favour but it didn't feel like that for that week I felt like it was a piece of meat I was getting pulled with a decision that wasn't my choice it was somebody else's choice and I just happened to be part of it Um but as I say, if that decision had to be to, let's say, you're going to, I don't know, let's say we use a club like Charlton, who, who had it been struggling, or if they had been struggling, let's say, as they are now, and you're getting sold, and you're thinking, well, we can now jump in the league one, but if I don't go, the, the, the peril that's going to leave the club in um, is going to be massive. And financially, the club's probably going to go into administration and then could fold. So you don't want to have that over your head either. So there was, yeah, there was, there was an awful lot going on in your head, but you just have to, as I say, just to swallow it, don't Yeah, I, I know. As a Cardiff fan, it was that was the very disappointing period for for me. Like I just we I saw the best players leaving. Um, we clearly needed the money. We'd been. It felt a bit like we'd been sold a dream or sold a ticket, and uh, it was starting to fall apart. And it, you know, it did financially and off the pitch. Um, I think as a, I think as a player though, Si, uh, you know, what I mean, obviously we we looked up, we looked up to Cav. You know, what I mean, he, he played a big part in uh, our changing room. You know, what I mean, led us really well on and off the pitch. You know, what I mean, not just not just being our captain. You know, what I mean, he, he he led us into conversations, like you said about you know, what I mean, when we weren't getting paid for all that all those months properly. You know, what I mean, he'd be our spokesperson and things. So you know, what I mean, for someone uh, of that stature to leave a group, you know, what I mean, left us. Left a big hole to fill, you know. You know what I mean. The young players looked up yeah. to him. You know what I mean. That that we were we weren't just teammates. We were friends. We had a good solid group. And when you see the one of the one of the big players leave, and then all of a sudden different players leave, you can see the fractions and the, and and the, and the gap starting to widen. Then and you just think, you know what I mean. It's not the same place as it was. You know what I mean. You start hearing whispers. You see people's interviews, and yes, they get twisted. And um, and it's just yes, it wasn't it wasn't the same place once. Obviously, Cav had left, and then the other players started to go as well. Because Cav said it there; he said about being an asset, and you know what I mean. I think other players and um, other teams then started swarming around, looking at assets and looking at yeah. people, and, and and just 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 sw- swooped in and and took everything they could. Oh yeah, oh they certainly did. Um, okay, so just to finish off the show, then we'll just uh, go through some of the questions which people have sent in. Uh, Jamie Perham asked, "How did you feel after scoring that screamer?" Against Leeds in the FA Cup. Yeah, but euphoric, couldn't it? I mean, I, I, said to, I said three weeks beforehand that I was going to score. Um, so that every day practicing free kicks with Neil Alexander, um, and then to get it and to actually produce it. Um, yeah, it was special. Yeah, it was great feeling. How did you yeah. feel, Cav, when you seen uh, when you seen the team? You know, when you seen Leeds United's team line up in the, you know, what I mean, you said that you, you you do the you do the go in the referees' changing room and get the teams with the with obviously assistant manager and stuff. So when you looked at their team and seen all the world class players they had, because at the time they were full of world class players, by the way. So how did you feel when yeah. you seen their team? Um, I didn't really feel anything. I just thought, yeah, I've been I've been looking forward to this for three weeks now. I feel like I'm I'm able to compete on this stage. Uh, I want to showcase what I'm about, and and here we are. Um, and let's bring it on. That, that was it. it. Wasn't. I remember I do, the one thing I do remember was um, when I was at Middlesbrough, um, a young kid called Rio Ferdinand, who was 
for toward the end of fourth then he came to, to the digs to stay with us he was on trial for two weeks and I yeah he came on trial yeah and um came on trial as a centre forward as well by the way <laughs> yeah no he was he was, he was a centre midfield he, he could play everywhere he was, he yeah he played a in one game with me yeah he, he was like a Rolls Royce honestly but um yeah club wanted to sign him but obviously he ended up signing for West Ham but uh he never he never spoke to me and um I remember thinking that's fine but I remember thinking how big he was in comparison to what he had been as a kid and I'm stuck beside him in the tunnel and there's a photograph of us on the pitch with uh, John Charles before the game and I'm trying to look as big as I possibly can he's, like, <laughs> he's, he's just towering over me you know what I mean so uh, yeah, oh, I love it fun. love it yeah. uh, Jack Taylor asked uh, who was the best player you played with at Cardiff best player I played with at Cardiff well that's a tough question so many people uh, come on I'll tell you he was a very underrated player and I don't think he, he ever got the credit he deserved. But Gaz Wally was a good player. Yeah, Gaz yeah. was technically very good, yeah. He was, Gaz yeah. Gaz Wally never, ever, ever gave the ball away. Yeah. Um, Gary O'Neill was another good player. He was, Billy yeah. Ball was a very good player. Um, Jason Kumas, we had too fair, we were full of inundated with players. For me, but yeah. you're in that you're, you're in that bracket as well, look, have you not? I mean, you, you don't get the credit sometimes because when people ask you the question, you obviously can't name yourself and and things. And this is a it's a question I've got for you, Cab, and it's a question I asked Gabs uh, and I asked Ernie as well when they had both of those on the show. That obviously when you went to play for Ireland and you went away and you played with all these uh, world class players, you know what I mean, Robbie Keane and Roy Keane and uh, Gaz Kelly, and uh, for example, um, when you came back to Cardiff, was it? How, how how hard was it then to come back and bring yourself down to a different level of football, so to speak? And that's not being disrespectful to the players that you're coming back to, but yeah, you were you were at another level, like Gabs and Ernie and all, and were at another level. No, uh, no, that was never it was never an issue. It was like for me, it was it was it was a little bit the opposite. Um, I, the lads all give me stick about it now, like, but um, you know, I see like Robbie Kane and whatever the lads are going. I used to eat a fruit salad and all this. Roy 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 used to come into the squad. Roy Kane. Um, every summer he used to go away to Italy and he would he would go to this uh, place where he used to fast and he, he, he'd cut weight and you know he'd, he'd eat certain types of foods and how he would eat them and when he would eat them and um, what he would eat them with and certain things to speed and tablets and all that and I used to just sit for hours and just pick his brain so when when, when he used to go out the Irish squad your training was a certain level and it was unbelievable the ball was popping and you had you know, you had to be switched on mentally. You get to know where everyone was. You'd be aware of your spaces, your distances, um, and your quality had to be good. And uh, or else you would, you, you would have embarrassed yourself. Uh, but I remember coming back to Cardiff, Wigan, wherever it was, and trying to really implement then things that I was learning in in me. But also, if, if the lads were asking, what's really came like, blah blah blah, oh, we were doing this, whatever it would be. So that was that. I felt like that was my role then to to try and help the group and and um, pass on that knowledge and information because you know at the end of the day you're 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 you're, you're sitting there you're training with elite athletes 24 7 yeah, for yeah. 10 days you can you need to be thick and completely ignorant if it doesn't make you a better player and, and, and improve as, as a professional you know yeah no, i totally agree great answer it's a fantastic answer um and mr stuart campbell asks uh, my old man cap my old man just don't listen to him here what's he got <laughs> He says the government bailed out the rugby league clubs. Don't you think? Don't you think they should have done the same to the lower league clubs in football? As surely some of those might go out of business. Sorry, does that that title that title on the left hand side above your head says football show? Does it? it does yeah? It does yeah. Yeah, yeah. So tell him, tell him that. Um, no, but to be fair, though, to be fair, do you know, do you know, do you know something though, right? 
Uh, I'll give you a, give you a quick story on this, right? Uh, when COVID first happened, and whoever the justice or the the uh, one, one of the ministers um, in the government had said, I can't remember his name now, but he, he went after footballers. Yeah. So with the money they had, and why didn't they invest in this, and why didn't they get yeah. Hancock. the equipment? Yeah, yeah. yeah it was Hancock, was still us. Mm. And then what he didn't know was Jordan Henderson. So there's a, there's, a, there's a lad up here where I live that basically asked, could, could I get a number for Jordan Henderson? This fella has a company that he wants to um, uh, help with sanitization, with masks, with gowns, and with all sorts of stuff. Um, so basically, Jordan was in the process of liaising with the government and the um, and the Premier League, and he got all the captains to contribute whatever whatever they wanted to donate. So I got in contact with, with Jordan, and the work that that fella has done is it's nothing short of remarkable. And I think what mm. happened as as COVID went on, and footballers, the majority, I would say ninety nine point nine percent of footballers donate to charities anyway. Mm. And do their own bits, whether it be on the hospitals or whether it be on the food banks or whatever it is, and then um, they don't they don't far more for the country than than any of the government did. Yeah. Uh, and, and I just thought the easiest thing in the world was to attack footballers, but yeah, you know they, they don't come to the backup of them like the league one and league two clubs. And at the end, I don't God knows what the world's going to look like in, in in two or three months' time or four months' time, but I do definitely think there will be one or two more. Four or five more league clubs that won't be able to exist. Yeah, I, I, I don't think uh, just going on your point there, Kev. I don't think people give uh, footballers enough credit. You know what I mean? They're the first to jump down Raheem Sterling's throat for doing doing yeah. something bad, getting a tattoo what he shouldn't have got, and he regrets regrets doing it. But at the same time, he he gives to school children. He he he, he pays for thousands of tickets to come watch England and Man City, and he and he gives left, right, and centre. And but that none of that's in the paper. It just it just yeah, just something what annoys me. It's the but, time yeah. they give up as well. The amount yeah. of time that they give up for free to go to hospitals and and visit fans and do sign-ins and all these different things, Pe- people are quick to jump on footballers' backs. But they're, you know, those lower league clubs, hundred percent, there'll be a few which go out of business because they depend solely on match day tickets, merchandise, food, and without that, they they're stuffed. Unless they're well, you, you, they've got a rich owner like Salford City. Well, so you can use you use Cavs ex club as Carlisle United, you know that you know what I mean. Been to Brunton Park a few times yourself as a as a player and watching games, and you know what I mean. They rely on supporters turning up week in week out. It's a it's a club in the middle of nowhere, you know what I mean. They haven't got a club where the where, you know what I mean anywhere near them really. You know what I mean in terms of well, they've got Barrow, which is probably one of the closest now who's who's been promoted, but. It's just, you know what I mean. I just hope for. I just, I just severely hope that all these football clubs can survive somehow without um, supporters up to. Well, it sounds like Christmas, but hopefully, hopefully sooner rather than later. Yeah, please go. Yeah, uh, yeah. Hopefully, some local businesses, or you'd like to think the FA and people like these would would step in and try and help, but I don't think so. Uh, okay, last couple. Uh, Stefan Skyler says, "Cav, did you have a League of Ireland team that you cheered on as a child?" Uh, Shamrock Rovers. Let's okay. uh, have a look. We've had that question. Someone asked it again. Uh, they want to know our score predictions for Cardiff versus Charlton tomorrow. Uh, so, Cav, you go first. I got two nil. Uh, I'll go. I'll go three nil. I think. Uh, I want more. I think Charlton have won two out of two. I think they probably do a a bad performance and a bad result. 
I'll go three uh, one to the mighty Cardiff City. And, and as well, Sai, Lee Boy, Lee Boy, you might, Lee Boy, you might drop my bottle if um, if Mehmet gets a little bit of a conversation with him before the game. Well, that's it. He might have a little word after after <laughs> the the bombs he dropped in the Mehmet Darwin's uh, podcast. Um, and I'm going to pick one random question to finish. Let's have a quick look, and we will go with Warren Lewis says, uh, "What is your best memory playing for Cardiff?" Which match did you? Uh, which match did you prefer? Also, if you had to pick, when we beat the Jacks one nil, or your free kick versus Leeds. Uh, well, beating the Jacks one nil was uh, was that that was in the Wales Cup final, I think, wasn't it? Um, yeah. But it was another yeah. game. We'd beaten, uh, got beaten by Stoke. Um, nobody wanted to be there. The anticlimax of of the season was just was upon us. Yeah, it was a good free kick, but it didn't it didn't really mean anything. So no. Um, uh, so the Leeds game, yeah, it had to be Leeds game. But if you, had, if, you had to, if you had to give me one day over again, from your time at Cardiff, it'd be the playoff game, obviously. Hmm. Yeah. Um, and I, I'd lied. I, I'm going to do one more question because I think this kind of rounds everything off nicely. Uh, Jack Taylor asks, managerial ca- uh, career, Cav, is this something that you'd like to get back into? Um, Cardiff City. Cardiff City yeah, manager, no. Graham Kavanagh. <laughs> to be honest, the answer... In an ideal world, would be yes. Um, the realization of that uh, answer is probably unrealistic um, because the statistics say that you know the first-time managers who so-called fail don't get a second chance. Um, I read a, I read a thing um, ages ago about uh, Harry Bassett, who I didn't know, but was manager of Watford before he became manager of Sheffield United and had such an illustrious career. Ten years, but he, but he, he, he so-called failed in like, um, and the only way you actually get better is by doing, is doing the job, learning from it, looking at experiences, where you can gain, where you can improve, and that, as I say, that that twelve months I had at Carlisle was 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 the most learning I've ever done about myself, um, about management. So, what I what I what I like to do it again, I'd like to give, I'd like to have a, have a go again, but it would have to be on my terms. Um, in a position that I know I can make a difference and if I couldn't well then I wouldn't take the opportunity good answer uh, James says do you I Tala <laughs> we're going to get away without that one I do it every week and <laughs> yeah that's uh, I think that's about it for the for this evening uh, guys the audio version of the this show and all the other shows um, is available in usual podcasting apps and platforms will be available in the morning if you were live in the borough area it's on uh what's the channel called and red, red army red army tv uh, and it's on on a tuesday night i believe tuesday and, and a uh, saturday now it's on twice oh and a saturday yes yeah. that's what i like to see um so that'll be out in a it's on apple itunes spotify stitcher uh, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, all those good places. And, of course, you can watch the video replay on uh, Periscope, Twitter, YouTube, and the like. Subscribe on youtube.com slash acepodcastnation. Follow facebook.com slash acecastnation. And uh, you can follow the show's uh, social medias at acfootyshow everywhere. Give the show a follow. And that's where we tend to talk the football and all the upcoming guests. We will be announcing... The new guest, or next week's, next Monday's guest, probably Wednesday, mate, is it? Yeah, Tuesday, Wednesday, yeah. But we, uh, on, on that on that note, 
Um, we've got some amazing guests coming up. Today's been an amazing show, but we've got some uh, also equally amazing people coming up. So, yeah, just some really interesting things coming up. Am I allowed to give a hint about the 13th of July or not? Can say I what you want. It? You can say what you want. For, for former England international. Hmm. Incredible. Premier League. Premier League. And I, I was... I'm te- my wife will tell you I'm terrible at keeping secrets and I'm terrible at lying. So I'm not going to say anything else because I'll just, <laughs> I'll just end up saying it like, and that's it then. But I tell you what, actually, next week's guest is going to be fascinating, mate. Real, real yeah. interesting conversation. It's going to be a complete yeah. change of pace and I'm yeah. really looking forward to it. However, today has been, I've been like a kid in a sweet shop. Super. Not just got the Andy Campbell who gave me the best night of my life when he scored at uh, the Millennium Stadium and the skipper. What better way to spend your Monday night than talking to two Cardiff legends? Lucky boy I am. Thank you to everyone who's joined us. Thank you to everyone who's uh, have commented and everything. Shared, liked, and of course all the people who download after the fact. Graham, it's been an absolute honour. Thank you for yeah, joining us. Yeah, thanks for coming. Yeah, spot on cuff. Really appreciate Really appreciate it. No problem at all. Should see some of the guesses in the comments. Seen them. Jay Shearer, Jay Bothroyd, Paul Merson. Paul Merson. All of them. They're all coming on. Same show. <laughs> it's going to be a round table. Um, no, thank you, guys. Thank you, uh, Cav. Thank you, Campbell. It's been my honour, my privilege. And we'll see you live Friday, 7 o'clock, for the Andy Campbell Championship show. It's going to be a cracker. And, uh, of course, we've got about a million podcasts out on various things this week. As well, you like cricket, MMA, what else was there? Comedy, wrestling, whatever you want. There's there's shows for everyone. Cheers, guys. See you next week. We'll see you Friday. See you, guys. It's Andy Campbell. It's in. Campbell comes off the bench to be a hero. Podcast Network.